think we're cooking. I think we are cooking, sir. Word. Super duty tough work. Yeah. Once again. The voice is back. Ah, back to back weeks on that ass. <laughs> you know, we just show up, man. We just show up. <laughs> we not the best. We not the worst. We just show up, though. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's how you become the best, man. Yeah, consistency. Yeah. You know, it's nothing deliberate. We just show up, man, and everything takes care of itself. Right. For those of you who don't know, this is Blueprint. It's my friend, Logic. How you doing today, Logic? I'm good, man. It's been a uh, long day so far already. It's early um, as hell. How long? I know. Well, my my youngest, um, he had his last day of driving. He's he taking his little driving courses to get his license and Uh-oh. stuff. So he had his last day of that, but it was at eight thirty a.m. So I've been up since like seven forty-five. Wow. Yeah. So it's been a long day already. You know. Yeah. So you ain't get to sleep in today like you th- usually do, huh? Nah, not, you know, I usually do on Sundays, you know yeah, what I'm saying? I know your style, son. I know you do. I never Sundays usually do early. <laughs> yeah, Sunday usually the rest day. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like, keep, keep the Sabbath holy, you know what I mean? Right. I don't get out of bed till noon, you know what I mean? <laughs> I wish I could do that real, man. I miss that, man. <laughs> I fucking miss that, man. Uh, I've had to change my sleeping habits so much just to start driving that, like, even for driving school, like, that shit was a struggle. Yeah. One of my one of my classmates is like, I, I was like, dude, that's a struggle to get here every day. And he was like, yeah, you look like somebody pulled a gun on you, got out of bed, got you out of the bed. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, that's how I felt every day. I was never late. I was never yeah. fucking late. I was always on time. But like when you used to getting up at 4 a.m., going to sleep at like 4 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m., work on music, then all of a sudden yeah. you got to be somewhere at 7 a.m. Right, right. Your body be like, nah, fam, what is you doing? Yeah, that's different. Yeah. Just because you get in bed don't mean we going to go to sleep. You just right. lay there and not get no sleep. So my sleeping habits are just now starting to change, thankfully. You know, so uh, I can actually fall asleep around 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock on most right. days, which is fucking crazy as shit. But I guess I'm getting old responsibilities and shit. Yeah. You know? So here we are today, folks. We're going to talk about hip hop this week. And this is something we thought about talking about a few weeks ago, but we didn't get around to it, you know. And it's about Nas. We've talked about Nas many times on this show. Few times, good and bad. Yeah, we give it up when it's good. Mm-hmm. When we don't like it, we just, I don't know. But, you know, Nas dropped a new record. Was it on Christmas Day or New Year's Day? can't remember i think it was was it new year's i think it was new year's okay one of the other so listeners you'll have to correct us on that we know it was a holiday and it was Mm -hmm. unexpected and it was a project called magic and the record is dope it's the best of the three yeah he's dropped three records with hit boy i really like two of the three and the one that i'm not super duper crazy about still got some joints on it yeah i mean it's still better than some of his you know previous work yeah (laughs) 
And so we wanted to talk about that record, but we want to do it in a different way. Uh, what I wanted to do this week, instead of just like where we normally talk about Nas and go through track by track, we want to talk about like why this pairing is working for him between him and hit boy. And I thought the best way to do that was to use their own uh, words, use clips from interviews from them about why the Nas and hit boy connection works. And I think these things will reveal not only why their connection works, but why certain producers are just great producers in general uh, at every level, you know, right. and even why some, I, it made me look at like why some of my working relationships like with you have always worked through some mm -hmm. of these things I'm seeing them do and talk about. And, um, we're going to talk about that and break it all down about the Nas and Hit Boy connection. And I hope you guys get something out of it, especially if you're a beat maker, a producer or music maker, because these things can definitely help you in what you do. And uh, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. We got you stuck off the realness. The most infamous. You heard of us. Official podcast murderers. The show comes equipped with few points to share. Grown man ideas for all those who care and want to grow. So go ahead and download every single week with a brand new episode. You're not alone in this world, cousin. So we share information and honest discussion and keep repping the culture like we supposed to. They spread gossip, but they never come closer. I can hear it inside their tone. They talk about the industry but never left their home you get laced up with bullet points and such plus empowering topics that they never would touch you can put your whole network against the team but super duty tough works the mvp most valuable podcast on mp3 priceless info but all of it's free huh. so take these words home and think them through super duty tough work is coming at you now listening to Super Duty Tough Work with your host, Blueprint, raw and uncut, adult conversations, no shucking, no jiving, and no bullshit. All right, folks, we're back. Super Duty Tough Work, Print Magnificence, Illogic, talking about the hip boy Nas connection. You got to pardon me, I'm dealing with a little bit of cold, so... If I sneeze, don't take it personally. Um, <laughs> it won't go through the digital, you know, the internet and get you sick. Uh, but the first thing we're going to talk about with this connection is something I like to say. Rule number one or observation number one is compliment the artist. Don't compete with them. I'll say that again. Compliment the artist. Don't compete with them. And uh, check this out. You know, he's a complex rapper. He's going to say a bunch of different things with a bunch of different flows. So you got to just compliment that versus just like, okay, here go a beat and that's it. I'm leaving the studio. I'm sitting there and I'm arranging sections of, of the beat and I'm, I'm making it compliment what he's doing vocally and, 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 and lyric wise. We know a little something about that. This is true. <laughs> <laughs> When I listened to that clip, it straight up reminded me of like the process that we learned through doing like Unforeseen, mm -hmm. Got Lyrics, Celestial Clockwork, which was, and we've talked about a show where like Illogic would just show up with like rhymes a lot of times. Mm -hmm. And then it would be kind of up to me to find something that worked for his rhyme. And, but part of the process was him kind of laying something down and then me going back mm -hmm. and molding it around his, his, his lyrics. Yeah. It's such a different approach for people who haven't done it. A lot of producers, especially now that production has kind of become like a standalone thing. Right. 
or you can become a successful producer without even ever working with an artist, you know, vocalist. Um, this is kind of a lost art. Yeah, really. You know, as people are in the studio less and less together, you know, we we did those records when, you know, you literally came to the crib and we just hang out. Yeah, yeah. We freestyle some, we talk some shit, tell stories. How was your week? Talk about rap. And then we listen to beats and, and just work on music. And that's hard to do now. But listen to this clip. I thought it was really dope. Hit Boy's talking about how like he's not just playing generic beats. Not just dropping off beats and stepping off. Mm-hmm. You know, he views his job as not to like give Nas the ultimate banger and just, you know. Right. It's like, what are you doing? I need to compliment him, which means compliment his strengths, which I think is fucking dope. Yeah. And it's also, you know, you look at it like a lot of a lot of cats just send two track. You know what I'm saying? Send a beat. You know, you lay your verse and we go from there. Um and with this pairing, it seems like Hitboy not only is creating beats surrounding his lyrics, but also making beats and setting them aside that he think would work with what Nas does anyway. Yes. You know, and it's given Nas, you know, something a little different than what he's used to because Hitboy's not Premier. Hitboy's not, you know, whoever else he had been using. Like, he's definitely one of those producers that has an ear or what the artist is doing and makes music accordingly. Yes. Yes. I agree, man. And you know, uh, if you are a producer out there, when you hear people speak like that, you got to understand that it's, it's sometimes being the dopest isn't as important as being the guy who can mold his music around the artist's vision. Right. And you can have the craziest, dopest beats by themselves, but if you can't, mold them around what that artist is trying to do you probably won't get as much work um i got another clip on a play from nas speaking on the same thing um we meet each other like if i'm going here he's coming here right if he comes if he goes there with the music i'm coming there it's like that's the way we push each other right. and if you you listen to the production is um you know he he, he just fine tunes this sound just a hair and then on over here he he places this sound here and it's not too much of this is not too much of that allows me to cut through with the rap he's not trying to outdo me i'm not trying to with with instruments working together facts what do you think about that sir yeah i mean that's that's the ultimate you know producer mc relationship that's what you shoot for you know that's the reason that i continue to do albums with one producer because mm-hmm. I can have that even, you know, even like the stuff me and Blockhead did, like having one producer, it allows us to kind of bounce off of each other and mm-hmm. say like, OK, you know, you're going to do this song to this beat. OK, let me make sure this drops out here. Let me make sure, you know what I'm saying? So so your voice can cut through. Let me make sure these beats complement you and bring forward the lyrics, because if you're if you're a rapper, the most important part honestly is the lyrics you know what i'm saying yes. as far as as far as being an mc so the lyrics have to be able to cut through and have to have the right balance between the lyrics and the beat for it to make sense and i think they found that balance yeah yeah i think it was really dope to hear him speak around you know like space mm-hmm. one thing that nas and, and now a lot of vocalists speak about it but they can't necessarily articulate what they're looking for right and i find that a lot of producers will get frustrated with vocalists and rappers and shit because they'll be like 
the beat is dope. Why don't you like it as is? Or why can't you just rock to this as is? And it's hard for artists to articulate the issue, but the issue is space. It's always the issue. It's always space, right? It's like either you leave enough space for an artist to hear themselves in that space. It, you have to leave that there. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you walk into a house and it already got furniture all over the place. People don't really gravitate to that versus you walk into a room or a house you just bought and there's nothing in there. You're like, this is a dope house. I can really fill this space up with my vision, with who I am, right? That's how music is. Mm-hmm. When you when there's no space for a vocalist, they're not gonna gravitate towards that piece of music. Yeah, and it also shows Hit Boy, it also shows the difference between a producer and a beat maker. You know what I mean? Yes. Because when you just make beats, most people that just make beats or you know call themselves instrumentalists aren't even thinking about MCs. They're not even thinking about anything else being there. So they fill the space with music, which isn't bad if that's what you're going for. But if you're a producer for a rapper, you know, or for a singer or for whatever, you know, for a vocalist, period, then you have to make sure that there's space for that vocalist to, you know, get their point across. That's the thing that, you know, I've found sometimes the most difficult, you know, in production myself is when I make beats, you know, hearing the fact that there's a lot going on, so there's really no space for me. If I'm going to use this to rap, I need to take some stuff out, you know, maybe just use that extra instrument for the hook as opposed to having it repeat throughout the, you know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of things to think about. And, you know, this is really the difference between a producer and a beat maker. And there's nothing wrong with either one, but, you know. Yeah, I totally agree. And I want to add on to that. Like one thing you hear producers say sometimes in response to this is, well, rappers just be liking simple beats. <laughs> like, why you always like the simple stuff? They mm-hmm. think that simple is bad. Right. They think that, like, leaving space for a vocalist means that the beat is just weak or soft or that it can't be complex or, you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it can't, like, they're sacrificing something musically by leaving space for the vocalist. It's like, nah, that's not true, man. You got plenty of time, like you're saying, whether it's the chorus, whether it's the outro, whether it's the intro, you have all these places where you can use these sequences and pieces of music that you made. But what you don't want to do is use it to compete with the vocalists when they're trying to do what they're trying to do. Yeah. I mean, and it's a reason that a lot of the 90s hip hop was basically a loop. And then the, the, the rhyming part was just that loop filter. Yep. You know what I'm saying? That's and it, it wasn't nothing crazy going on. It was a baseline that filtered loop and the drums. Yep. And that was it. And that and that gave the rapper space to rhyme over. Most of the classic songs that we like, that was the formula. Facts. You know Facts. what I mean? Facts, man. And so, I mean, even if I look at like Celestial Clockwork, you and I, mm-hmm. that record to people who listen to it, it sounds weird and abstract and kind of, but there's always space for you to rhyme. Right, right. There's never a moment on that record where you're competing with the beat vocally and people can't hear you and you're not cutting through. Right. It's like a perfect balance of like, it's challenging musically, but it's never competing with you. Mm -hmm. It's interesting compositionally, but it's not like overpowering you. It's just kind of there doing its weird thing. Like even the title track is the best example. Weird little vocoder thing. Mm -hmm. And it's there, but it's not like dominant. And as soon as you come in, it's like, bow, it's about you. Mm -hmm. That's how it should be. And that's what Hit Boy understands. If you understand space for a rapper like Nas, 
he's going to fuck with you all the time. Facts. You know, because I'm sure other pr- producers like like a Jess Blaze to mm-hmm. me. When Jess Blaze does his boom bap style, I always feel like the music has just got too much going on. Yeah, and it's too loud. Too loud. The, yeah, like like the main, you know, yeah. the main driving instrument a lot of times is super loud with Just Blaze music. And yeah. it takes somebody, it takes a great engineer to make sure that the vocals can cut through that. But it still sometimes sounds like they're competing. Even though the beats are yeah. amazing. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It sounds a lot like you know, the the artists and the beat is competing because just want to shine too. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And that and he he's a perfect example, like kind of the opposite of way of doing it that hit boy does it right and hit boy might seem a little more subtle sometimes but that's what artists are looking for Facts. so that's the number one thing you know um compliment the artists don't compete with them number two thing we're going to talk about is hit boy puts the strengths of the artists first yeah you know he doesn't say well since i'm good at this if i work with you you got to take my sound Mm-hmm. So that as soon as people hear it, they're thinking about me first, me, 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 as opposed to saying, what are you already good at? Let's make sure that you're doing that. And so I'm going to play a clip of, of Hip Boy talking about that. We're able to allow your music and allow him to cut through and get the best performance. It's just a balance. Like I said, I want to I want it to be his essence. So anything I play him is going to be some something that I can hear him on. I'm not just playing random beats like I'm playing stuff that I even if even if it has a, a different texture to it that you might not be used to Nas, you know, hearing Nas over. It's still going to have a, a, a break beat or a drum pattern that feels like I can hear Nas on it. So. Yeah. Yeah. He he got it figured out, man. <laughs> yeah, man, that that is is super important. You know what I'm saying? It's super important to make sure because if you look at Hit Boy's track record, because mm-hmm. he did the um the last Benny the Butcher album too. Yep. And the beats on the Benny the Butcher album don't sound like the beats on any of the Nods albums. Yep. Because he plays to the strengths of who he's working with as opposed to just having his signature, you know what I'm saying, on the production of whatever he's working on, he makes sure that he's always complimenting who he's working with and plays to their strengths. And most of the time it works out for him. Like he's killing the game right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and uh, that's very hard for a producer to do. It's yeah, very it hard. You know, like if, if I think about it, like, and I don't want to sound disrespectful to DJ Premier, Mm-hmm. But because I'm a super duper DJ premier fan, I think that might be why Nas is a little hesitant to do a whole album with him. Yeah, because premier has a style. Yes. Premier is going to give you premier beats. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And and that's and that's what you get when you work with premier. Like, you know, for the most part, when you hear a premier track, mm-hmm. you know, what I'm saying like you only know it's a hit boy track because his tag is in there a lot. Exactly. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it's a it's definitely a difference, and that that makes that makes sense. Yeah, man. Yeah, and so I think because a lot of people just say, "Oh, you should work with Premier just because y'all make dope shit." Yeah, we know they make dope shit together. They got classics, right? But like you said, every time you hear a Premier track, it's Premier doing Premier. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily okay. What's best for this artist? Right. Let me let me put their strengths first instead of mine. Premier's like, nope, we're gonna do this my way. Yeah. You're not going to get no beat CDs. I'm going to cook up every beat right here on the spot. 
you know, I'm going to do the cuts right here on the spot. We'll make one song at a time, you know, and, and maybe that doesn't work for Nas right now. Right. Right. You know, Nas is like, look, I just want to, you know, play to my strengths. Yeah. You know, it can't just be about Premier giving everybody what he gives them the same all the time, you know? So I think that's another reason why Hit Boy is really, really, really killing the game. Yeah. And so that's number two. So we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Where? This is your weekly reminder that we have two books that you, as a listener or watcher of this podcast, need to absolutely own. The first is The 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists, and the second is The Social Media Cheat Code. Both of these books were released within the last year. The 10 Traits of Successful Hip Hop Artists is a book where I go through the stories and explain the traits that uh, are behind the success of some of the biggest names in hip hop today. Um, the book has got nothing but amazing feedback. And if you are an artist, business person, whatever you do, if you would like to be inspired and would like to learn more about hip hop along the way and also see some some reinforcement of the concepts that we talk about on this podcast, the 10 traits of successful hip hop is for you. Second book is The Social Media Cheat Code. That is for everyone who listens to this podcast who does not uh, consider themselves an expert or really good at social media. It's not for super experienced people. It's actually for people who are on social media but are not getting the results you need. So what we did is I broke down like 12 or 13 strategies that I use all the time that actually work really well for me. I put it into book. I gave you examples and I tell you how to implement it. That's a book you absolutely need as a listener to this podcast, watcher this podcast. If you're on YouTube, supporting these books actually goes a long way towards supporting the podcast. So uh, to support the show, if you like what we do, obviously we don't necessarily get paid to do this shit. So support the products and services that we create. And these two books are a big part of that. We appreciate your support and uh, back to the show. All right, folks, back. Super duty, tough work. The most infamous podcast on planet Earth. This, year, this week we're talking about the Nas and Hit Boy connection. Why is it working? Mm-hmm. How are they giving us these dope albums out of nowhere? How has Nas not fucked it up yet? <laughs> or Hit Boy fucked it up, really? Yeah, how you come know? Hit Boy fuck, How come they ain't fucked it up yet? Like. We haven't seen this kind of run from Nas in a minute. Right. Like three joints in a row. Yeah. All, all pretty much bangers. Like, yeah. you know, King's Disease 2. Eh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, it was okay, it was good. Some, yeah, some people like it more than one. I right. disagree, but. I disagree as well. It's not whack. Nah, it's not whack at all. You know, so. Yeah, so, so what we're hoping to do is hopefully if you're a producer, music maker, collaborator of any sort, hopefully you hear these little bullet points that we're talking about. You can kind of take this and apply this to whatever it is you do, and it will kind of hopefully bring you some similar results, because I think these lessons that we're hearing from these vocal clips really explain a lot. So this next point we want to talk about is having no agenda and no politics. This is yeah. point number three, and we're going to let Nas just talk about this one. Uh, NAACP, I think he got it this year, uh, producer of the year. I think he's producer of the year this year again, so I can't walk away uh from from uh that energy right. i think um what we me and him have is just is just uh pure music making there's no there's no uh his his uh music knowledge is is that crazy and 
Um, I think when you're working with somebody, that producer has to, there's no ego, there's no, uh, I'm new, I'm better than you, you're better than me. It's like, yo, let's do something together. Right. It, it was no thoughts of money, it was no thoughts of um, uh, anything other than the music. So that's a that's a thing that um, is just so natural. It just, yeah. Yeah. In an in an industry where there's so much politics, right? Where literally every producer want to do a record with Nas, like every single fucking producer who's ever done dope rap music wants to work with Nas, mm-hmm. and you know some for the opportunity, most you know for the the status bump that it would give them. It's gotta be kind of challenging for Nas to pick producers who don't care about that shit and just want to do dope shit. Yeah. And I think that, I think that's what's making it so good is that for one, Nas don't got to make another record. No. Nas ain't have to make, (laughs) Nas ain't have to make these three records. And I think that combined with his relationship with hit boy, there's no pressure. He's back doing it for fun. He's back doing it because he loves it. Not because he has to fulfill some quota for a record label. Yes. Because you know what I'm saying? Like he's doing it because he loves it, not because he has to do it. And I think that combined with the relationship and combined with Hit Boy's style of presenting Nas with beats that are strictly for him, creating around his lyrics, is making it fun for Nas again to where yeah. that's why because he feels so free when he rhyming. Yeah. It feels so tell. free. It, like he ain't thinking about, you know, I got to make no. this sound like Illmatic. I got to make, he just like, I'm going to spit some dope shit. The beat is dope. The rhymes are dope. I'm spitting. And that's all that matters. Yes. And that's, that's why, dope. that's why the last three records I think are some of the best work that he's done to date. Yeah. And, and even if you look at it from like a, a, a macro view, like you're saying with the label, Nas just drop a record. Ain't got no singles, no music videos, no fucking advance warning. Just right. dropped it. That's probably yep. how he he probably been wanting to do music like that for 10, 15 years. Exactly. But so much was in the way. So many expectations were out there. And mm-hmm. like now he's like able to do that and not just and just not give a fuck. Like, yo, there ain't no singles on here. Ain't no real course. This is not a commercial record. Right. This is all album joints for my hardcore fans. Yep. That's the kind of freedom that most artists don't have. Yeah. Not even a Jay-Z got that kind of freedom. Right. And it's weird because you would think that Jay would have made a move like this first. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because Jay-Z don't have to drop another record ever. It's true. You know what I'm saying? But if he does, is he still going to be in a situation where... He got all these quotas he got to fill. There got to be a single on there. There got to be, you know, three, four yeah. videos. There got to be this. There got to be that. Like, that puts too much pressure on it when you're rich enough to where you can just do the art and people going to pick it up anyway, especially if it's dope. Yeah. Yeah. That's the place you want to be once you hit their, their level in the game. Yeah. Like, look, I can just do what the fuck I want to do. And I don't got to worry about no sales or no fucking setup or no fucking... None of that politics. I'll just drop it. And Nas is at that point where it's like, he owns his own shit now. He can do yeah. what he want to do now. Yeah, move how he want to move. Move drop. how he want to move. Yeah. This is one thing I always wondered about artists that were mainstream, that were extremely successful yeah. as to 
you know, and not knowing, you know, what their contract situation is. But why do cats keep signing with different labels once you get to a certain point in the game? Like, we show, you know, the underground cats and the, the you know, the other tiers of hip hop show that you don't need a record label to put a record out. And if you That's got Jay-Z money, you can put a record out just as, you know, with just as much fanfare as a record label, but it be all your shit. Like why, I don't understand why cats don't make that move a lot sooner. You know, I know it takes, but they have the money to hire a team. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like yes. they can do the same thing that a record label does and it be their own shit and have the freedom to do it how they want. I never understood why they continue, you know, to sign a new contract with this new label or that new label instead of just putting the fucking record out. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And once you you know the game, you've been in it for 10, 20 fucking years. Right. You understand that like, yo, I, I really don't need all these dudes to do this kind of music. But this, yep. it goes to show you just how like the longer you're in the system, the more dependent upon the system you become. And that's crazy to think about, you know? And so like sometimes the worst thing for an artist is being signed for a long time. Yeah. Because they don't know how the music industry works. I mean, look at like a lot of the rappers who were in like the nineties the rappers that we grew up on or influenced by, mm-hmm. they struggle to become independent artists. Yeah. When we were selling tapes and CDs and vinyl and shit, they was just kind of on the sideline. Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Yeah. And didn't understand like how, you know, the newer cats were making the moves that they were making yeah. because they didn't really understand the industry. They were just rappers. Yeah. Like, you know, the only, what I mean, only cats who made the transition from, like from our lane successfully. was like the hieroglyphics guys. Yep. They smoothly came from one record in the industry to independent powerhouse like that. Yep. immediately they didn't sit out like oh let me try to figure out what what's going on can i tour do people actually buy merch no they were immediately in it and winning at it yeah a lot of their peers did not yeah to the point they got their own festival they got you know what i'm saying like they're doing and each of them each of them individually as hieroglyphics not even just souls of mischief as hieroglyphics each of them individually have their own ventures that are successful like them cats don't have to work again right. in their lives if they don't want to. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like they got this, you know, nice little nest egg of of shit. Even if it's a side hustle, even if they do have to get a work, get a job, yeah. they're probably doing pretty well with the side hustle. You know, as part of hieroglyphics. Yeah, all from one major label album for real. Yeah. Yeah. Dale had basically one. Hi, uh, Souls had one, Casual had one, Pep Love one. Like the, all of them just had one joint, really. The second one. one wasn't promoted. Yeah, extra you know what prolific, I mean? like all extra of pro, them. Extra pro, yeah, one yeah. joint. And they took that shit and killed the game with it. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, man, it's there's the agenda and the politics of being on a major label are very deep. And the sooner you can disconnect from that, the better. And so I think, uh, you know, what we're saying is. One of the reasons that Nas and Hit Boy are working together so successfully is because they are able to work together without that. Yeah. When they have both been surrounded for it with it with with throughout their whole careers. Yeah, no and, red uh, tape. No red tape. Like, hey, you want to do some music? Let's do some music. Yeah. People don't understand that a lot of a lot of the industry wants to move like that, but as soon as somebody wants to work with somebody, they manager got to sign off, they label got to sign off. You can't work with him because this label and that label got some issues right now. We're going to hold this feature that they got on their record because we don't want to clear them because, you know, 
X, Y, and Z. It's just a lot of bullshit. Yeah. So two dudes who are doing great are able to just do what the fuck they want to do, which is fucking dope. Yes. So that's number three thing. The number four thing we want to point out is that personality matters. Yes. To all you musicians who think uh, it's all about being dope. If you're dope, you will eventually, you know, uh, find the right artists and they'll choose you and the shit will magically work just because your beats are fire. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> Personality matters. Yeah. It fucking matters. Nobody care if your music dope if you're a fucking weirdo. Or an asshole. Or an asshole. They can't stand being in the studio with you because it's just how you fucking act. Yeah. You can't get nothing done. So let me, I'm going to let them talk about this for a second. Play a couple clips. Um, we meet each other. Like if I'm going here, he's coming here. Right. If he comes, if he goes there with the music, I'm coming here. It's like that's the way we push each other. Right. And if you you listen to the production, is um, you know he he, he just fine tunes this sound just a hair, and then on over here he he places this sound here. Hold on, I think that's wrong. Yeah, I'm about that's to say. wrong. I play, I played that one. Before. Hold on, this is the yeah. one I'm looking for. Where is that shit at? This one. It feels great. Like with Death Row East, that was the first song we worked on and um, for, for this album. Um, all new records. And we started with Death Row East. And the music, the way, by the time we was done with it, I was able to two-step to a, a story of mine. And, you know, I, I don't really write to think about dancing or two-step. And so um, when I was able to two-step to, you know, with my drink, we're in the studio and having conversations like we had now before the record was out. Every time we played Death Row East in the studio, there was like a two-hour conversation afterwards. Like after certain songs, there was like long conversations after it. Um, I like that experience. The hit boy brings that, that energy. Yeah. And here's one of hit boy talking about the same kind of thing with like the conversations and the working relationships that they had. But more so, not only did he crown you producer of the year, he called you his Quincy. It wasn't him like directly comparing me to Quincy because I saw some people saying that like, oh, like, well, you know how people going to talk shit. But he's just talking about as far as the relationship, the working relationship and beyond the music we connect. Like we can sit and have a conversation before we even start working. It might go for an hour, it might go for two hours, but once we get the information that, you know, we left in the room, it goes into the music immediately. Like I might we might talk and I might pull up a beat, a couple beats, and he just like starts saying something we was just talking about. Yeah, that sounds really familiar, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, it does. Yeah, I was like, yeah, that's that's how the best music is made. Yeah, yeah. You know, going to the studio was not just I play a beat, you write a fucking rhyme right then and there. We record it the end. Right. It's like you're you're hanging out with people. Mm-hmm. You're discussing uh, ideas, current events, what you're going through, your vision for that. Yeah, there's been so many times that like I would hear something, and I'd hear a beat, and if me and like even me and RJ go through the same way, you and I go through that. We're like, if mm -hmm. I was me and RJ would be be talking, sitting around listening to beats. But the whole first time we're sitting around, we're just talking shit, and beats are just playing. Yeah, yeah. And then eventually, I'm like, yo, I like that. You hear something that 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 like sounds like it could fit the emotion 
of what you were just talking about. Yeah. And but if you don't have those conversations, if you ain't in the room with that person, if your personality is trash, and you're such an introvert that you can't even hang out with these dudes for a couple hours, you know what I'm saying? To let them talk and, and, and to see where they're at. You'll never have those experiences and you'll never make those songs. Yeah. And that's what the thing about music is a lot of music. A lot of music becomes classic to us because we relate them to experiences. Mm-hmm. So if you're if you do that in the creative process of the music, then it's it, the music becomes special to you personally. You know, a lot of times like I mean, shit, like, yeah, it's a little darker. But when we recorded Hate in the Puddle, we had a really long talk after we recorded. Yes. it. You know, we had a really, right? really long talk. <laughs> but even like a song like Lesson in Love, we had a yes. we, I told you that story and you yeah. was like, you should write a song about it because I hadn't <laughs> written it yet. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because that shit really happened. And we had that conversation yeah. and it, ha- you know, and it came out that way. Like. That's when some of the best music is made when you have these conversations and you have these relationships and you're able to bounce ideas off of each other and really have moments together. That's yes. that's the way, that's when the best music is made. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, you know, this is a good one to know just for like all of you producers and others, guys who just do beats. So I, I'm not trying to single y'all out or, or say, you know, y'all are doing it wrong. But the the advantage that we have as rappers and producers is that we've seen both sides right you know we understand both sides of the songwriting process it's not just about a beat it's not just about a rhyme it's about this marriage and you can't have this marriage if there's personality conflicts Mm -hmm. you know you have to have this this balance where like yeah we do music together but that's my motherfucking man we could hang out for two hours three hours and not make music Right. Talk about the fucking Lakers and the fucking Celtics. I don't give a shit. (laughs) Right. And not piss each other off and laugh and come up with some shit. And while you be doing that, motherfuckers is playing beats and we just hang out. The next thing you know, magic is being made. Yep. No pun intended. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even catch that. Yeah. Yeah. Magic is being made. You know, but it sounds like that's exactly what their relationship is. Mm -hmm. And there are many producers who feel like, why didn't I get the shot to work with Nas for three albums straight? Right. Because no one else had right. not a whole album. And he's worked with all the greats. Mm-hmm. Kanye only got one. Right. You know what I mean? So it's like the reason is to me, it sounds like from these clips that the reason it works is because hit boy is just as good of a producer as he is. He understands the social element of making music. Yeah. And they're just, they're friends. Yeah. They're fucking friends. Like making music with your friends is some of the best shit ever. This is why, you know, back in the spitball days, like just hung out with cats and we just sat in Prism's crib and (laughs) just wrote fucking rhymes and, but just sat around talking, laughing, joking. And it's some of you make some of the best music at that times because you're with your friends and you're creating those moments, man. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So yeah, we'll take a break and we'll be right back. Quick announcement. Over the years, we've frequently been asked by the listeners of our show if we would ever open up our platform to the public for advertising. We've always been interested in doing it, but in the past, we never had the systems in place to make it work properly. I'm proud to announce that we are now officially accepting advertising from the public on Super Duty Tough Work. 
Meaning, if you are a business owner or an artist and would like to create more awareness about your product, service, or release on our platform, we're now in a position to be able to do that. For more information, email us at superdutytoughwork at weightless.net. That's superdutytoughwork at weightless.net. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you would like to promote, and we'll get back to you as soon as possible about whether it's a good fit and go from there. Thanks for your time. Back to the show. Super duty tough work. Back. Yeah. Talking about the Nas and Hit Boy connection, why it works. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode. It's a little different for us, but I, I figure we will change things up every now and again so that, you know, y'all don't know what to expect. Right. You know, so we got one last point to make in this clip right here. This point is just basically about versatility is one of the reasons why their pairing works. I think Nas values not making the same boom bap album every time. Mm -hmm. Um, I know a lot of people expect him to do certain things, but he wants to involve himself. And then I think that there is, you know, uh, a history of versatility from from hit boy that a lot of people didn't know about. And right. I think that lends him uh, very well to do music with Nas. So here's a clip of him talking about some of his history. A lot of people don't know that I was doing, you know, crazy songs for the game or crazy songs for G unit that had the, the, the boom bat vibe to it. They, they thought I just was a club producer, but I've been, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I was producing for them in 07, 08 making hard gangster rap, you know what I'm saying? And people just don't know. That's why it just, it's coming full circle right now. It's real. I'm yeah. one of those people. I'm guilty as charged. I never yeah. really knew about him until Watch the Throne. Yeah. And so I didn't know his history was that deep until I started listening to interviews and, and digging into him more for this. And, and that's why it works. Yeah, like on some real, I didn't really pay as much attention until King's Disease on some real. Like, I mean, I, I I had heard the tag, you know what I'm saying? Like, I knew he was a producer. I had heard the name, but yeah. I never really paid as much attention to the beats that he had made before. And yeah. now when I listen to certain records and it's got that tag, I'm like, yo, yeah, I didn't even know. I, I had no idea. You know what I'm saying? Because he has been around for a minute. You yeah. Know? Kanye West, Jay-Z, mm -hmm. Beyonce. Yep. Like his track record is crazy. Big Sean, uh, like he's got a long fucking track record. Yeah. You know, he worked under Polo to Don when he was 16. Crazy. You know what I mean? Got his first publishing deal, like 17, 18 years old from, from his relationship with Polo to Don. Polo to Don found him on the internet. Yeah. So it's like, he's been around for a long time and it's not like he's just trying to make boom bap because he thinks that's what Nas likes. Like, he likes making that shit. He can make that shit well. He's versatile. And that that's why he can get the work he get he can get. And that's why he can get albums with guys. Right. As opposed to just a single with guys. Yeah, and this is, this is also, you know, back to the premiere thing that we were talking about. This is why there's not that many artists that do a record with premiere. You know yep. what I'm saying? This is why, I mean, this is probably why you know the um the shit that 
Premier did with Royce the Five Nine, why they had to go into like, okay, let's get Adrian Young and use all original samples yeah. and shit. That way, it will sound somewhat different and it won't be pigeonholed into this, you know, yeah. Premier choppy sample. You know what I'm saying? Kind of thing yeah. that he does, and it was that was a breath of fresh air being, you know, um, produced by Premier. But he needed a different, you know, a different, um, a different toolbox. You know what I'm yes. saying? To to, to work with and and make it sound different. Yeah, yeah, I agree, man. That it's a, it's a tool. It's okay to have your signature sound, but many artists today they do want to have some variation on those albums that they're making, right? So you know, and that does play a part as to whether they choose you to produce that whole album. Yeah. So that's it this week, man. That's it this week, man. This is a bit of a shorter episode, you know, but, you know, I hope that this helps everyone uh, understand why the pairing between Hit Boy and Nas has worked. You know, uh, I'm going to read all five of these things back. Number one is compliment the artist. Don't compete with them. Number two is put the artist's strengths first. Number three is no agenda, no politics. Number four is that personality matters. And number five is versatility. If you are a producer, music maker, um, make sure that your, your art is fire. Make sure your beats are dope. But don't forget any of these things that we talked about in this episode. They are all going to be important and they will all serve you well once you start working with a vocalist or other people. Word. And so uh, that's it for this week. We will see you all next week. Word. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to Super Duty Tough Work. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the podcast on SoundCloud. Complex that nobody know about. I mean, super duty tough work. Huh?